Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And um, this is Stuff You Should Know. Carrie just told us, right before she pressed record, don't forget to be clever. Yeah. What is that about? I don't know. <laughs> Man. I, I pressure. <laughs> I'm a little thrown off right now. Well, I think maybe because you said Miranda Wrights were named after the Sex and the City character. Is that what you're talking about? That was like 45 minutes ago. It's a callback. Oh. So I guess that was clever <laughs> in Jerry's book. Well, that's the thing. Like, I didn't even consider that clever. Right. You know? Right. Juvenile, maybe. So Miranda from Sex and the City. So what was your response to that one? Uh, I don't remember what I said. I thought it was fairly clever. Well, we'll just skip over that. You said, <laughs> you have the right to remain fabulous. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the recap of a conversation we had a little while ago, everybody. Well, people always say they want to know what happens behind the scenes. It's just tomfoolery. There you go. Yep. Chuck. Yes. I know that uh, you and I have both been arrested many times, and we've done some time in the stir and all that, so we know what Miranda rights are. Yeah, not true. But mm-hmm. the average person also knows what Miranda rights are because they're so ubiquitous on every cop show, yeah. every lawyer show, every every show. I think they show up on like ER. Yeah. Is it still on, on, right? I have no idea. Is it on like season 27? I have no idea. Uh, I don't think it is. Is it not? It had a pretty good long run. Sure. But Miranda rights are just this thing that have become totally ingrained in our culture. We can all say it. Well, let's say it together. You have the right to remain silent. Mm-hmm. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. But hey, buddy, don't fret. You have the right to an attorney. And if you cannot afford one, one will be appointed to you. Right. And then over time, apparently, some uh, agencies have added, and if you waive these rights, you can invoke them at any time. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one. I, they, they, they hadn't made it to TV yet, really. Right, yeah. You know, they Briscoe's just like short and sweet. I'm not even going to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, Castle, he's all business. Yeah. Is he a cop, though? And I, th- I think he's a private investigator. Oh, gotcha. Although I'm not sure. So he wouldn't have to Mirandize anybody. No, just, but he's just Castle, so he he does. <laughs> I've never seen it. I love Nathan Fillon, though. Oh, who doesn't? Yeah. He's a nice guy. But this this idea that Miranda rights are, you know, they're everywhere and everybody knows them and knows what they, you know, that they exist. Sure. But the, first of all, the case behind them, I think, is probably uh, unknown. And then secondly, like what they're designed to do, really. Yeah, the real nuts and bolts of it, I hadn't it hadn't really occurred to me, even though it's pretty self evident once you think about it. Yeah, and it seems really straightforward, but it can get a little tricky, uh, which we'll discuss how that happens. Well, so the the idea of the Miranda rights is fairly recent. Um, it goes back to 1966. Yeah, a case called uh, Miranda versus Arizona, v Arizona. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the the legal profession can't even be bothered to include the S when they abbreviate verses, you know? And we should also point out that um, it wasn't just this one case. Uh, it was Miranda v. Arizona gets all the press because the name Miranda, but it was actually four cases that they consolidated. Um, but we want to give uh, Vignera v. New York, Westover v. United States, and California v. Stewart their due. Sure. As being part of this uh, thing, and they basically all the cases were similar in that the um, there were confessions after interrogations, um, and 
those confessions were used against these various people. Right. But we're going to stick with Miranda, though. The lawyers of these. um, Well, not just us. I mean, everybody does. Well, yeah, it's called it's the Miranda case. The Miranda (laughs) laws, their Miranda rights, your Miranda eyes, you know? Yeah. Um, But the the uh, the whole point behind these and all of the cases that the complainants had was that they're the people who committed these crimes and made these confessions Mm -hmm. and were later convicted for them were not aware that they didn't have to talk to the police. Right. And this is actually, the Miranda case goes back to 1966, but the American right, guaranteed by the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. Yeah, Fifth Amendment. To to um, refrain from self-incrimination, that goes back to 1791. Like yeah. you said, the Fifth Amendment basically says that you don't have to tell on yourself. The cops can't make you talk. Right. Is what that is. Yeah, but until 1966, they... I guess you just needed to be, you know, uh, up on your constitutional knowledge. And then in 1966, they eventually, we'll get to the case, they said, you know, maybe we should start telling people this when we arrest them. Right. Um, so let's go back in time to 1963 uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, the cops picked up Ernesto Miranda uh, for questioning in a kidnapping and rape case. His car was spotted. Uh, near the scene of the crime, mm-hmm. he was called in. Uh, when he got there, he was like, I didn't do this, man. Like, he was completely cooperative. He was like, I didn't do any of this. Two hours later, an interrogation, they had, he was not identified in a lineup, but the cop said, the girl identified you in the lineup. And he went, oh, well, I guess, I think his direct quote was, well, I guess I ought to tell you about it then. <laughs> and so the cops lied to him, and this is a clear case of, you know, not doing things the right way. Well, the, the, no, the Supreme Court has upheld the use of deception by police in interrogation. They can lie their their tails off to you. Right, but not if you're not Mirandized. Right. That but, was the point, is he didn't know that he could just be quiet and not say anything, so he just volunteered the information, right. signed a written confession. And that's the whole point, and that's what the, um, the justices in the Supreme Court who heard the Miranda case and all the other cases that combined to make it um, were getting at, was that... You, when you are being interrogated by the police, you're in their custody. Yeah. They are allowed to use deception. They mm-hmm. are allowed to um, use all sorts of tactics to coerce, coerce you to talk. But if you're not aware that you don't have to talk, right? then what you're saying amounts to an involuntary confession. Yeah. And hence shouldn't be able to be used against you because you have a constitutional right against self-incrimination. If you're informed that you have that right. Yeah then you are making the decision to go ahead and confess against yourself, and you're waiving that right. Yes, and that can be used in court. Exactly. So they give you the option, essentially. So this is what the whole case was about. Um, In uh, 1966, like we said, the Supreme Court heard this case and ruled. Yeah, he was convicted, we should say. Right. Based on that confession. And sentenced to 30 years, I believe. 20 to 30, yeah. And the the Supreme Court case was part of an appeal. That's right. From that conviction. Three years later. They heard this case. Yeah. yeah. And apparently like the, the other three people probably represent even more than just those four cases total. Sure. Usually when the Supreme Court hears something, there's a lot of it going on in the courts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they said in a five to four decision, you know what? The, the suspect has to be read his rights, which we'll now call his Miranda rights. Yeah. And they specifically said, um, prosecution may not use statements stemming from custodial interrogation 
of the defendant unless it uh, demonstrates the use of procedural safeguards effective to secure the privilege against self-incrimination. But the key there is custodial interrogation. Right. And established a couple of things. Is One, you can't self-incriminate from the moment you are in custody. Um, So, like, it's not like you're on trial or something. And that uh, any confession is uh, involuntary, basically. And again, the reason that they're differentiating between in custody and not in custody is because once you're in custody, the cops can do things like lie to you or something like that. That's right. Um, and in custody is those the three key words taken into custody is, is where all the uh, gray area has been since then. Right. And still is today. Yeah, because they, they were pretty clear in their ruling. Like, yeah, this person has to be read their rights and... How, well, let's even print some cards for police officers to carry around with them so they can read off of the card if they have to. Yeah, and we should point out that Miranda actually, they retried him without his confession, and his girlfriend um, said he, he confessed to me. Yeah. So that was used in court. So he was found guilty again, sentenced to 20 to 30 years again, right. paroled after five years, and then sold those little Miranda cards with his autograph on them <laughs> for a while, for like a buck fifty. And then he was stabbed to death in a bar fight in 1976. Yes, and the suspect who stabbed him was read his Miranda rights, and so he never talked, and he walked. Really? Yeah. Oh, so, my God, the, the irony. irony. <laughs> it's definitely irony. Wow. Um, yeah, in like the, the truest form of the word. That's right. Man. So custodial interrogation is, is one of the keys here. Um, in custody is where it gets a little hinky, like mm-hmm. if you're... In the back of a police car and you got your handcuffs on, then you're in custody. Right. That's pretty straightforward. Or even if you don't have handcuffs on, if you're, um, in, if the cops lock you in the car and you, you are, it's understood by you that you're not allowed to get out, you're in police custody. Right. The official definition of custody in the Miranda decision is quote unquote, uh, denial of complete freedom of action. Right. But that's open to interpretation, you know? It is because, um, you know, if you're, being, if you're handcuffed and you're put in the back of a locked police car, you're obviously denied freedom of action. You obviously have to be Mirandized, right? You can bang your head on the little clear glass in front of you. Right. What were you saying in police chases? Like the, <laughs> the uh, you can defecate or sure. urinate or whatever. You can do whatever you want back Masticate. there. Masticate. But that is not freedom of action. Right. You know. Um, it's been brought up, though, that it, because of the... Um, the, the legal authority that cops represent with their uniforms and their outwardly worn guns and, yeah. you know, tasers, all that stuff. Their mirrored sunglasses. That they have some sort of, um, they, they project a sort of, uh, just talking to a cop, a, a person might feel detained. Yeah, it's an implied, um, yeah, I think it's like an implied detention. Like, right. if a cop came to my front door and said he had some questions for me regarding a crime. Right. I don't think I would feel, even though it's within my right, I don't think I would feel like I was able to say, no, actually, I'm going to go to the grocery store right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> and just walk past him and get in my car. Or even, I'm going to have to ask you guys to leave. Yeah. Which, again, you said it is your right to do. They they haven't placed you into custody. But you you don't have to be Mirandized in this situation because you can tell the cops to leave. If you are in an interrogation room and you tell the cops to leave, they're not going to listen to you. If they're on your front doorstep and you tell them to leave, 
they are supposed to listen to you. And because of that, you're not being, you, you have freedom of movement. You can go back in your house. You can yeah. go to the grocery store. You can tell the cops to leave. So even though the perception might be that you are being detained by the cops just by their very presence and you yeah. don't feel like you can tell them to leave, the law isn't, this, this law isn't designed to let you be slippery. Right. Uh, like a traffic stop, for instance, is a, is a kind of a, not weird, but if you get stopped by a cop yeah. and you say, um, you know, I've got five pounds of weed in my trunk, by the way, Mr. Officer. Right, you caught me. That can be used in court because that is a non-custodial situation. Right, which is weird, though. I didn't realize that a traffic stop is considered non-custodial. Does that mean you can just drive off? Because then if see, you can't you see how it drive gets gray, off, you know? then that's a custodial situation. So does that mean that you can drive off legally? Or does that mean that the courts just, that is a gray area that the courts have never No, really that means addressed. you're fleeing, that means you're evading. Evading what? Arrest? A traffic you, stop. Okay, well then that means you can't leave, you don't have freedom of movement, therefore that's a custodial situation, and you should have to be Mirandized when you're pulled over. Well hey, you can talk to the Supreme Court, my friend. I've been trying. <laughs> but I, I, I do have a question, if there are any, um, constitutional lawyers, or, any kind of lawyer, really. Yeah. Who knows what they're talking about? Defense attorney. Um, I'm very curious about that. Like, yeah. are you allowed legally to just drive off once a cop pulls you over since it's a non-custodial situation? Uh, my answer is no. I would imagine no too. Because but every why? time you do, they, well, because you have committed a crime, and the and the cop has has pulled you over. Maybe uh, I don't. know. I mean, that's where the language gets tricky. You're not in custody, right? But, uh, maybe you're temporarily detained. I bet you there's some specific language that right. allows for this. And I would never like argue this with a cop who pulled me over. That's not what I'm getting at <laughs> here. Luck. I'm just genuinely <laughs> like I'm genuinely curious. Like, yeah. If you can't drive off, then how is it a non-custodial situation? That's my question. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but that shows the slippery slope in the gray area. Right. You know. Right. And like you said, I mean, if you say, "Hey, I've got five pounds of weed in my trunk." And the the cop never Mirandized you. Yeah. And then after that, he says, well, you're under arrest. And then he Mirandizes you. And you shut up from that point on. They can still use that initial exactly. confession. Because it was non-custodial. Yeah. Uh, and here's the other thing. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people. Some folks may be confused by if you're not read your Miranda rights, then you just you get released or whatever. Right. Not true at all. That just means that they can't use what you have said in court and any ancillary uh, incriminating evidence that came from that confession can't right. be used either. Right. Like if they arrest you and you say, they tell you you're placed under arrest and then they're like, so um, we're going to get some tacos rather than here's what we have to tell you about your Miranda rights. Yeah. And then you say, I've got a bunch of weed on me. Yeah. Like they can't use that confession about the weed to against you because you hadn't been Mirandized. You, you've been told that the cops wanted tacos. Yeah. I wonder what keeps someone from voluntarily talking about evidence so it won't be able to be used. Yeah. Man, we are criminal minds right here. (laughs) I'm sure there's workarounds for all this. We're like Mandy Patinkin and like the rest of the cast right here at this table. And Yentl? No, isn't he in Criminal Minds? No, I don't know. He's in uh, Homeland. I watch that. He's also in uh, The Princess Bride. He's in Nigo Montoya. Mandy Patinkin. He was also... The alien cop in Alien Nation. A lot of people don't know that. With Jimmy Kahn. 
You never saw Alien Nation? No, is that good? That was a great movie. It always looked silly to me. Because... I'll tell you what. When you're 13, uh, yeah. it is a great movie. I well, haven't so seen it was, in a long time. So it was Krull. Did you see that one? Yeah, it was nothing like <laughs> Krull. It had like a good plot. It was like to live and die in L.A. with aliens. Right. Or Enemy Mine on Earth. Yeah, I never saw that one. Yeah, it was it was just kind of the same deal. It's like, it's Luke Gossett Jr. in an alien suit. And Dennis Quaid, right? Uh... Randy Quaid. Dennis Quaid. It definitely wasn't Randy. It was Dennis Quaid. Was it Dennis Quaid? I'm pretty sure. All right. So Miranda writes. (laughs) There is the uh, requisite (laughs) meandering tangent. Uh, So there's an important thing we haven't covered yet um, in regards to Miranda writes, and it was recently uh, got a lot of press with the uh, bombings in Boston. Right. And that is the public safety exception um, in the case of the the Boston bombing. Uh, What was his name? Uh... Jokar Sarnayev. Okay. So Jokar, Jokar, did Jokar. <laughs> there's a lot of ways to say it that are wrong. And then there's one right one, which I may have had in there. So he is in the hospital. They Everyone knows what happened. You know, the, the bombings went off. The one brother was killed. Mm-hmm. They caught the other one. Uh, and he was wounded. And so he was in a hospital. And they had what they called an urgent public safety interview in the hospital without reading him his rights. Yeah. He's asking for an attorney. They're like, you're not getting an attorney. Yeah. Why, why don't you tell us what's going on? And he did. Yeah, he did. He confessed to the bombing. He told them about um, possible other bombs. I think that's how they found out that the the apartment was possibly rigged with explosives, or at the very least there were explosives in his apartment, right. or his brother's apartment. Um, and they found all this out by denying him his right to keep quiet. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying, well, you guys just blew the case. You guys, why didn't you Mirandize him? And it was because of this public safety exemption that came about, um, that the Supreme Court ruled on in 1984. Yeah, New York v. Quarles. Uh, Benjamin Quarles was uh, in custody at a grocery store in 1980, and a rape victim had identified him. And the cop frisked him and said, hey, you've got an empty gun holster here. Is there a gun nearby? And he was like, yeah, it's right over there. Cop went and got the gun, uh, unloaded it, obviously secured the scene. Mm-hmm. And that became a court case because he was uh, – the gun evidence was thrown out. An appellate court agreed. And then later on the Supreme Court said, no, you know what? That's called uh, you know, securing the scene. That's a public safety exception. Right. You, you can't have a gun – a loaded gun in there. You can't have bombs waiting to go off potentially somewhere else. Right. So forget the Mirandizing. You need to secure everything. Right. And um, once that once that threat to public safety is secured, then you have to Mirandize them. Yeah, in which the Boston case, he just shut up after that. Right. But so too late. Yeah, exactly. The feds had gotten all they wanted out of them. They were like, sure, whatever. And apparently a judge ordered the feds to Mirandize the guy after like two days of this questioning. I bet that was a pretty satisfying reading of the rights at that point. I'm sure. You know, because they knew they were covered. But, I mean, this is such a Gestapo tactic, too. Like, we'll just question you about everything we want for two days until a judge ordered us to Mirandize. That means that some attorneys are going to have to go through all two days of that confession yeah. to pick out what at what point the public safety exemption was basically exhausted. Right. And, I mean, you can argue that any question that has to do with possible future terrorist attacks right is you know preventing or, or protecting public safety yeah but it's just like uh i mean i don't know it, it definitely skirts the spirit of the law i would think yeah and I, I found an article written by the guy 
who originally, I think, wrote the Quarles verdict. Mm-hmm. And he, he was like, you know what? In the case with the Boston bomber, you, they shouldn't have even done that anyway because there was so much evidence. They didn't even need these confessions. Right. And it was in the true spirit of trying to secure public safety to find out if there was other explosives. Right. But from that point on, they were like, it, it was completely unnecessary because the guy was convicted just from, you know, the evidence was so strong yeah. that they didn't even need that confession. Exactly. So, like, after they found out about the bombs or whatever, whether there were or weren't bombs, then it seems to me like the public safety exemption would have been exhausted. Yeah. And they would have had to have Mirandized him. It's a slippery slope. But, I mean, it's not like the CIA has to have, you know, admissible evidence in court to go after all the people that um, Jokar named, if he named anybody. Right. Or whatever he gave up. Sure. You know? So it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm coming to trust, like, Obama's security policies like less and less really yeah that's my opinion no i get it it's it's a it's a very fine line between like hey this guy's a terrorist and get that information or people still have their human rights right exactly and it's such a difficult thing to to swallow too the concept that some little punk who him and his brother blew people up in boston and took people's lives and legs and and that they did this, that the concept that they have any rights whatsoever is pretty unpalatable. Yeah. But we as a society have decided that, yeah, you do have rights. Right. If you're an American citizen, you have certain rights that are guaranteed by the Constitution and the, the Bill of Rights and, and court interpretation of those rights. And that's the law of the land. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess to just routinely skirt around those whenever – Whenever it's determined to be called for by whoever's in charge and power, that's that's equally unpalatable, unpalatable to me. Yeah. Because also, um, you know, the courts judged a, a, a criminal suspect when you invoke the public safety exemption. Yeah. It's not that that person doesn't have any rights. Right. It's that the safety of the public trumps that person's constitutional rights right then. Right. But just for that narrow window of time. Right. And then after that, it's exhausted. That's right. And this is not the first time. It was just three years ago that the uh, feds did the same thing. They invoked the public safety exemption for the Times Square bomber. Yeah, and he sang like a canary. Which is, if they just did it to Jokar Sarnayev, I don't think I would have a problem. But just the fact that it popped up three years ago, too, yeah, uh, that's starting to indicate a pattern to me. Yeah, terrorism, I think, is the key, yeah. uh, key agent there. Sure. You know. Got anything else? <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Man, we're going to get so much mail for that one. Hey, buddy, you have the right to remain fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. That's my takeaway. Thank you. <laughs> uh, if you want to learn more about being fabulous, you can type that word uh, into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. You can also type Miranda Rights, M-I-R-A-N-D-A, Rights. Uh, and since I said search bar somewhere in there, it's time for a uh, message break. Stuff you should know. And now it's time for listener mail. Yeah, uh, before listener mail, we have a quick shout out. And we don't usually do this because we get inundated with requests for shout outs. Yeah. But for, so every once in a while, they caught you to. at the right time, huh? Exactly. Uh, this is an anniversary shout out from Josh Underwood. Uh, he and his wife are teachers in uh, Robertson County, Kentucky. And they've listened to our show, incorporated it in their classrooms. And they are celebrating their 10 year anniversary. 
And uh, he said if we could say happy anniversary to Amanda, it would. Uh, can't think of anything that would make her smile more. Oh. So on June 14th, he said if it's late, you know, don't worry about it. So this is probably going to be late. But uh, I hope you guys had a great anniversary on June 14th. Happy 10th, Josh and Amanda Underwood. Yeah, happy anniversary, you guys. Or I don't know if Amanda took your name. <laughs> yeah. Whatever her name might be. <laughs> yeah. So the real listener mail, speaking of taking names, uh, is a good one. And I'm going to call it Royal Tannenbaum's uh, Theory. Oh, I like this already. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. It has to do with losing a finger in a, a wood chopping accident, right? <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, my wife, Molly, and I have been listening for about three years. We both love it. Um, I've always wanted to email you, but I didn't have a reason. And I didn't want to sound like a 12-year-old girl talking to NSYNC or something. <laughs> I was guess pretty out of touch. Yeah, I guess it's 1994. Uh, I wanted to say something interesting. So uh, here are two interesting things. One, my name is Josh Bryant. Pretty interesting. It's like the two of us together. That's right. I appreciate you taking my name. <laughs> Uh, and number two, he actually had three things, but one wasn't so interesting. Uh, number two is, I watched Wes Anderson's Royal Tannenbaums, was amazed at how different and unique all the characters were and how well they all worked together as a family. Mm. After reading other theories about the movie, I think the one I love most is that every character represents a different stage of grief. So oh, denial. Good one. I, yeah, I, good. I collect fan theories. Oh, I love it. That is a great one. Have you seen Room 237 yet? No, have you? No, I'm dying to, though. Yeah, they didn't release it in Atlanta. I know. Um, all right, so Denial is Margot Tannenbaum, her unknown smoking habit, numerous marriages, secret crush on Richie. Totally Denial. Yeah. Uh, anger, Chaz, Tannenbaum, need I say more? Pretty much throughout the whole movie, he's angry and full of resentment. Uh, bargaining, Royal Tannenbaum himself. He lies to get out of bad gambles and gambles to cover up bad lies. This is, like, pretty good. Yeah. And he didn't make this up. He got off the internet, but that's still good. Still but Joshua Bryant, you get no credit. <laughs> it's like that kid who stole that haiku from a t-shirt. <laughs> oh, man. Um, depression, Richie Tannenbaum, uh, again, very obvious, sees when he tries to uh, see when he tries to commit suicide. Great scene. Uh, and acceptance is Ethelene Tannenbaum. Her role is more subtle. Her acceptance is seen uh, when she accepts Mr. Sherman's marriage proposal. It's a little thin there. <laughs> uh, it's also seen when she finally moves on from her old marriage and accepts her new life with her new husband. So that's sort of, that's the most tenuous. Yeah. But he asked what we think, and I think that's pretty good. I love fan theories like you. Yeah. Five stages of grief. I doubt if that's the case. Well, that's what makes fan theories so great. If, like, if you just unlocked the director's secret. Sure. Then it's done. It's yeah. finite. You figured it out. One of the great things about yeah. fan theories is if it rivals what the director was trying to do or the writer was trying to do. Yeah, it was like English class. Remember back in English class? Mm -hmm. uh, it was always, and I had a problem with it back then, but now I love it. I would always be like, well, this teacher's just interpreting this. Like, who knows right. what the author meant? Oh, yeah. But that's kind of the point now in my yeah. old age, I realize. Yeah, I, I remember feeling my brain unfurl yeah. and start to get like, yeah, there are specific interpretations of things in the, that, that kind of fit within a framework, but still are, it's pretty wide. Yeah, agreed. It's nice. Pretty cool. Fan theories. I'm writing a blog post on them right now. I'm collecting them. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So that is from Joshua Bryant. Joshua, I guess, is the result of some weird uh, stuff you should know in breeding. Oh, yeah. He's an experiment. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Formed in a Petri right. dish. Let us know where you are right now. <laughs> he escaped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you escaped from our lab, we want to hear about it, um, especially if you have some cool fan theory. Man, send us fan theories, like good ones. Yeah. I mean, like, good ones, not like... Uh, stupid ones. Yeah, I've been on feral children lately. 
What? Just that's been my obsession lately, reading about feral children. I might try and write a thing for our show. Fan theory? Feral children. What does that have to do with fan theory? Nothing. That's just that's oh. my obsession. Yours has been fan theory. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. I've just okay. been obsessed with feral children. Yeah, because there have been like actual ones in the yeah, like uh, um, the Emerald Forest. The many cases. So uh, okay, if you have a good fan theory and or a good feral children story, Thank you. we want to hear about it. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on uh, Stuff You Should Know, which is prior to that, slash, prior to that, Facebook.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com, and you can join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Jack Threads has quickly become the online shopping destination for guys. Here's why. Everything on the site is up to 80% off. As a listener of Stuff You Should Know, you can skip the membership waitlist and get instant access at jackthreads.com slash K-N-O-W stuff. That's jackthreads.com slash no stuff.